This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. While snow cover remains limited over parts of the northwestern plains from western South Dakota through central Montana and on into the western Canadian prairies, World Weather Incorporated says these areas need snow soon to protect the winter wheat from an Arctic air mass that's expected to settle in over the region this weekend and early next week. Snow is expected to cover the winter wheat areas Friday and Saturday, which will likely limit some winter kill. Temperatures Saturday through Tuesday, they're expected to drop into the negative 20s and 30s, with temperatures remaining well below normal through the first full week of February. Much of Brazil will continue to see regular rounds of showers and thunderstorms over the next two weeks, supporting crop development but disrupting soybean harvest at times. World Weather Incorporated says exception is far southern Brazil and Paraguay, where some crops may become stressed by a lack of rain and soil moisture. Regular rains are expected across much of Argentina through next week, which is expected to help some late planted crops while other crops have been permanently damaged by hot, dry weather. The soybean market has been very resilient in the face of an expected record large crop in Brazil. Clayton Pope, Commodities President, Clayton Pope says the soybean meal market is leading the soybean complex. This with Argentina being the biggest meal exporter in the world, um, you know, it's commanding a premium for meal, but I don't know, it seems a little misplaced to us. I mean, uh, South America, I mean, if you look at Argentina's neighbors to the north, Paraguay and Brazil, I mean, they're both looking at you know, phenomenal production in all likelihood, record-breaking yields, especially in Brazil. And uh, it's, it's not like Argentina's crushers aren't going to be able to get a hold of the beans they need to crush. So, you know, we're a little skeptical that this meal strength can really continue. Pope thinks money flow is a main driver. So I think that's a large part of it. These funds... Uh, Obviously, are really loaded up on beans and meal, uh, oil, bean oil to a lesser extent, and in uh, corn. And boy, yeah, it seems like every opportunity they have to to uh, juice those markets up, they do it. And uh, so, I think to a large extent, they're kind of protecting their position here. But you kind of wonder how far out on the limb they're going to be willing to go to do that. But uh, so far, it seems like uh, that's exactly what they're doing from our perspective. Crop insurance base prices will, will be established in February, and that'll be the first part of a 2023 growing season puzzle. Corn Belt Marketing market analyst Sam Hudson says acreage and any acreage battle will be another piece to that puzzle. If we have good weather in Brazil throughout, um, and they really do produce a record, and we see those estimates actually go up, then I think it uh, reduces the need for it. Um, I do think one thing to look at would be how dry it has been in the U.S. West and, and how much of a struggle that could be to, to find corn acres. Um, you know, I, with input costs the way they are, they need feed out there, but uh, who wants to roll the dice on dry land area uh, with that type of cost involved with it? So I, I think that's probably a, you know, one thing to be looking at going into spring and come June. Uh, quite possibly you see more soybean acres put in the ground, you know, at a little bit less cost uh, and potentially in, in lieu of uh, any abandoned wheat. Energy prices and input costs are another part of that equation. Keep an eye on the energy prices. We had a pretty good, uh, you know, sell-off right at the beginning and the end of the year. Ever since then, we've 
you know, seen a steady uh, steady move higher. If we can sustain that, even continue higher, at least support those levels, I think it really supports the cause for our biofuels uh, and demand in general kind of holding together into spring. But for the most part, we're going back into a supply-led situation. And if we have you know good crops in South America, it just kind of takes the edge off, and then we're going to be waiting for our weather markets here in the U.S. Discussion between U.S. and Mexico continues on Mexico's decree to ban biotech corn. Monday's meeting between the two countries' officials has yet to produce a solution. United States Corn Growers Association President Tom Haig says it could take years before corn growers could produce enough GM corn to fill the gap. Secretary Vilsack is in agreement that our GMO product is a safe product that we have. What they want to do is take all the way our corn of GMO of yellow corn and white corn and have it as a non-GMO. Well, first of all, that means that we got to do different tillage practices. we got insects that we have to more worry about. It's going to cost more that farmer. And then there's also the agreement that if you grow so much, we got to segregate that on our farms. So make sure we don't commingle that. How far do we have to travel with that? We're to encourage Mexico and have more talks with them about how important GMO product is in America and how they have a safe product there. If we have to go all non-GMO, I don't know how many farmers will switch. Minnesota Corn Growers Association President Richard Severson says educating new legislators is a top priority for the Minnesota corn growers. We've got a lot of uh, work to do uh, with just education. I had uh, an opportunity last Friday to provide comments at a a meeting uh, in Piers, Minnesota, put on by our friends at Farmers Union. And they brought the chair of the House and Senate Ag Committees out to Piers, and uh, uh, Chair Putnam of the Senate Ag Committee and Chair Vang of the uh, House Committee don't have real deep knowledge of ag and farm issues. And so uh, Farmers Union brought them to uh, a neutral, nice uh, rural location to hear from farmers. Land use, farm drainage, and crop protection tools are all other priorities. It doesn't matter whether you're raising corn or cauliflower. You need to be able to have reliable uh, drainage in your field. And then crop protection tools, uh, particularly things like seed treatments and herbicides, um, genetically modified seeds that reduce our environmental footprint by reducing the need to spray toxic chemicals on our crops. At the KMOT Ag Expo, Dakota Agronomy Partners agronomist Zach Mel says while it's nice to see snow on the ground, it'll be important to see early moisture after planting this spring after the dry fall in 2022. Yeah, if we don't get our early season moisture, um, that's kind of devastating for our trade area up here. I mean, we rely on that because generally speaking, more times than not, we are pretty dry come fall time. And Mel expects growers to stick to their rotations. I think we're going to see more of a stick to guys' rotation. Uh, I, th- I think the wheat market's playing a little bit right now, so there could be a little bit of acre shifting between wheat and soybeans right now. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A bill dealing with North Dakota corn checkoff funding has been introduced to the North Dakota Legislature. North Dakota Corn Growers Association Executive Director Brenda Almer says House Bill 1153 would share checkoff funding between the council and growers. It it was initiated by uh, former um, leaders of the corn growers and of the corn checkoff board. Um, and uh, we, we did not know that it, that it was being introduced, but of course we, we've been brought into the discussion. 
And as I understand it, the bill would uh, share some of the um, corn checkoff assessment funding um, between the Corn Utilization Council and the Corn Growers Association. Currently, the corn checkoff dollars go to the uh, Corn Council, where they use it for market development, education, and promotion. Almer says the funding redirected from this bill uh, and the corn checkoff funds would go to the North Dakota Corn Growers in helping educate public officials. In Washington, D.C., there are a lot of issues um, that we need to engage with public officials on. The Farm Bill is a big one that's being reauthorized after five years, and there's a lot at stake in North Dakota um, with farm programs and crop insurance. Um, and then we, we also have some threats that horizon with environmental protection agency regulations coming down, waters of the U.S., uh, new regulations that just came out at the end of the year. And so, you know, we need to be front and center and advocating for our, for our corn growers throughout the state. A lot of issues that frankly, impact their bottom line. North Dakota Stockmen's Association President Jason Leeseth says Bill 1275 reconfigures parts of the North Dakota of the beef checkoff system. Yeah, 1275 is largely relating to beef commission appointment process and, and how we get that notification out for the at-large positions and some deadlines tied to that. So uh, in March of the the year that there would be a, an opening in that position. We want that to go out statewide and have those notifications out so that uh, as many people as possible or groups or individuals are both eligible to nominate people for those positions so that we can get as much involvement in the process as we can and uh, also along with that then tie that with a deadline so there's a, a cutoff line for applications. Another bill, 1436, also relates to the creation of beef commission districts. Lisa says there's too many open questions with 1436. So 1436, the similarities probably stop in that they both deal with the beef commission. Um, currently, the process is an appointed process. 1436 would be a, a drastic change from that, from an all-appointed board by the governor to a board that was completely elected across the state. You know, the appointment process has worked very well in the checkoff. Well, the issues that I see with it, you know, there's, you know, who will get to vote, who decides who will get to vote, who determines who is qualified and who is not qualified. My fear is we could actually have groups of people that are represented on the Beef Commission today that might lose their representation. At the 50th annual Cow-Calf Day seminar uh, tour, University of Minnesota Cow-Calf Extension educator Eric Mosel said average slaughter weight has increased at packing plants, presumably as a way to make up for fewer feeder cattle on the market. We're probably looking at a shortfall of a calf crop this year that's maybe, you know, 4 or 5% smaller than the previous year. And if you look from 21 to 22, it was down 2 to 3%. So pretty significant shortfall in the number of feeder cattle. And as a result, of that we've seen some higher carcass weights run through the packing plants presumably in hopes that they can you know recover some of that uh, beef inventory just from slaughter and heavier cattle and i expect to see that into the near future because it takes time to build the herd and respond to these market signals particularly at the cow calf level to create more feeder cattle so they've got to make up that inventory somehow Mosel predicts cow numbers will be lower than projected in for 2022. Well, we're seeing an awful lot of cows go to town. I mean, you know, maybe even uh, over the earlier 22 projections of 2%, I mean, we could be down 3 to 4% 
uh, on the national cow herd at the rate that uh, you know cows are going to slaughter. So eventually that's going to have a pretty big impact on the market. It's hard to say exactly when it's going to materialize, but uh, you know a lot of that's drought driven. I think some of it is driven just simply by retirements. Uh, high grain prices always leads to a lot of cows going to town. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. A group of farmers are in Tampa Bay, Florida for the Clean Fuels Conference, formerly known as the National Biodiesel Conference, as part of the See for Yourself Tour with the Minnesota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. Minnesota Soybean Council Director Jim Willer says they are learning about challenges and advancements to the biofuels industry. Well, there's people that worry whether or not we'll have enough feedstocks for all of this, and then we've had speakers that have said that, you know, feedstocks will be developed and found and come in the industry will keep growing, and that really should not be a worry to anybody. And the industry is, you know, there's a lot of demand for the, all the vegetable oils in the world, and, and there's going to be oils coming eventually from algae up. We've heard that for many years. They say that's getting a lot closer now. And just keep evolving in the country. Willers says this tour and conference has been a tradition for many years and talks about the changes he, he's seen. Minnesota, we brought down, we've been doing a, what we call a seat for yourself. So we bring down a few farmers and we bring down some fuel distributors and jobbers and people that run the biodiesel plants in, in Minnesota. And, and so they get to see what the industry is and they make contacts from their peers and counterparts from around the United States. And, and it just kind of helps their businesses and then helps them understand what's, what's basically evolving and happening in the, in the clean fuels and the bio, biofuel world. The Environmental Protection Agency says it will study whether to tighten regulation of large livestock farms that could release manure and other pollutants into waterways. The EPA has not revised its rules dealing with large animal operations since 2008. In 2021, the agency said it planned no changes but announced last week it is reconsidered in response to the environmental group Food and Water Watch's lawsuit. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. Wheat Minneapolis, March six cents higher, nine oh nine. July's three and three quarter cents higher. Chicago March wheat seven and a half higher at seven forty one and three quarters. Kansas City March wheat up eight and a quarter, eight forty two. March corn is down three quarters of a penny, six seventy six and a quarter. December corn's down one and three quarters at five eighty nine and a half. March soybeans uh, right now trading thirteen and three quarter higher at fifteen oh two and a quarter. November soybeans six and a half higher at thirteen forty four and three quarters. Well, thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.